It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Welcome on into the 34th, aka the Danelle Pumphrey, aka. Listen, this episode might be a bust, a lot like Danelle Pumphrey, since he's the number 34 that I chose for the 34th episode of the Counterpoint Podcast, brought to you by BGN Radio, bgnradio.com, and bleedinggreennation.com. So today on the show, another loaded show, and I actually just decided that it's such a loaded show that I have to do two podcasts this week. Uh, I'm going to do the podcast today, or on Friday, uh, today is Friday, right? So I'm going to do the podcast on today, it's going to come out whenever, whenever Bartra gets around to it, uh, it's going to come out, and then I'm going to do another podcast on Wednesday, because I want to have a conversation with James Seltzer um, about the draft, and how it's awesome not really being fully in on the draft this year, but still being in, cause, of course, because we care about the Eagles, and we're diseased Eagles fans, and we haven't stopped thinking about it, but when you win the Super Bowl... It's just a little different than how the draft used to be, where I was like, I need this guy or else we're never winning the Super Bowl um, ever again. So, uh, two podcasts this week at least. Uh, I'll probably do another one later in the week after the draft. But uh, it's going to be a two-counterpoint week, which is a good week, in my opinion. So, we have the we have Jack's headlines to get to. We have myself catching another Super Bowl highlight that I, that I found funny again. Uh, we're going to go through the schedule because, of course... That's what everyone does around this time of the year. The Eagles' schedule came out yesterday. Uh, I'm just going to go through and project the wins and losses, and it's going to be 100% correct. And good thing that all these rosters are, are set and ready to go, and nothing's going to change from now and when the season starts. Locked in stone, my win-loss projections. Uh, we have a conversation with Ben Solak. Yes, of the Kiston Solak show, who I have a rivalry with. Uh, but he's going to come on. We're going to talk about hashtag the guy. Justin Reed, if you missed it, last week uh, I announced officially that Justin Reed was hashtag the guy, uh, officially endorsed by the Counterpoint Podcast. He's going to tell me why that was the correct pick for being the guy. Also, I'm going to push back the Counterpoint mailbag to the second episode of the week because this is already a long episode. 
and that would just add some length to it. Be honest, I'm a little busy. So uh, still get your counterpoint mailbag questions in. I will read them on Wednesday's podcast. But first, let's get to Jack he- Jack's headlines. Uh, Daryl Worley got arrested this week, and he got cut. He got cut from the Eagles. Some guys just can't handle being banned from the podcast. I mean, he got banned from the podcast. He got he got exposed on this podcast as a fake Eagles fan. He didn't handle it well. So Daryl Worley, uh, he was supposedly combative with cops after he fell asleep in the middle of the road uh, after a night out. So, I mean, Daryl was having a good time. Uh, he was clearly frustrated about about being banned from the podcast, and he he, he lashed out. So uh, hopefully Daryl uh, gets back on his feet, but he will still not be allowed on this podcast, and he is still a fake Eagles fan. So we'll start right there. I'm sorry he couldn't handle being banned from the podcast, but... Not everyone can handle it. It's, it's 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 tough being banned from Counterpoint, the most important Eagles podcast out there. So, poor Daryl. But moving on, uh, also this week, or yesterday, I think it came out, it was announced that David Akers, is, is, he said that he was going to be announcing the Eagles' second round pick. And whenever, when this came out, everyone was like, oh, wait, the Eagles don't have a second round pick. Is this like a, another Dikembe Mutombo situation? Uh, and, and I'm like, I, that doesn't that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't care. I hope he doesn't make the pick because having David Akers anywhere near, anywhere near this draft, besides like the seventh, listen, he can announce the, the, a pick from the five through seven range. But guess what? The David Akers pick, if the Eagles do get a second round pick, is the same pick that Drew Pearson used to completely take a shit on this entire city. And I, I'm not sending up David Akers to respond to Drew Pearson. I need a I need a cutthroat eagle. Listen, David Akers is an absolute legend here. Greatest kicker in team history. He 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 has the most points in team history. That's perfectly fine. David Akers isn't someone that's gonna strike fear into into Cowboys fans and make them feel like dog shit that they are. I love David Akers. He's fine. This is but it's more that the Eagles just don't understand the opportunity that they have. The Eagles have an opportunity here to completely take a dump on all of Cowboys Nation. They need to send someone with some gusto. They need to send a Seth Joyner. They need to send a Brian Dawkins. Send Ike Reese. I mean, send someone with some gumption up there to really lay it into Cowboys fans who made fun of Eagles fans for an eternity about not having any rings. Please, remedy this. I don't want David Akers making our second-round pick selection, and hopefully it's just the second round, the Eagles don't get one, and they just move on to someone else. And the third-round pick, someone different, if the Eagles get a third-round pick, or it's fourth round, and we start with something new. I hope it doesn't carry over. I hope we're not getting a, a carryover Akers picks, because I need someone up there who gets it, who understands like this rivalry, the anger Eagles fans have towards Cowboys fans and towards the Cowboys in general. And I just don't think that David Akers brings that. I think that's a fair argument. I want someone who would rip into them. And I said it before, and I'll say it again, the correct choice to give to announce the Eagles pick as the Super Bowl champions is Drew Pearson. And make him eat his words. Go get Drew Pearson to do this. Honestly, if you're smart, Eagles, listen. Dom Smolensky, I'm sure you listen to this podcast. It's the most important Eagles podcast. Why wouldn't you listen to this podcast? That's that's on you if you don't listen to this podcast. Get Drew Pearson's ass up there, okay? Or get someone that, that gets it. I love David Akers. I don't want him announcing this pick. He can be in the room celebrating, 
But like, I I just I just I'm out. I'm out. I was I was visibly upset yesterday when it came out that David Akers is is going to be making the Eagles second round pick. I don't want that to happen. And I hope that the Eagles fix that. Wow, that was a that was a, a long rant. <laughs> uh, moving on. So uh, Carson also spoke this week. Our, our Lord and Savior came out of retirement, not out of retirement. He came out of the woodworks, probably straight off of a hunting trip, uh, where he was definitely using that knee, and he's definitely going to play Week One. Like when every time I hear Carson speak, I'm like, that guy's playing Week One. I'm 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 pretty confident in it. But the thing that I found the most interesting is that he said he was jealous of Nick Foles. Hmm. Is that something that a Super Bowl winning quarterback would say? Would a Super Bowl winning quarterback really say that he was jealous of the quarterback that actually won the Super Bowl? Hmm. Hmm. Almost like that argument is completely over. And that's all I'll say about that because I don't want more hate mail about how much... This is, this is the thing that pisses me off the most is that whenever... I say something about Carson not being a Super Bowl champion or, or Super Bowl winning quarterback. Everyone just assumes that I fucking hate Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, I have said multiple times, is one of the five most important people in my entire life. So you, you, you call him the Jets when you tweet at me, my anti-Carson Wentz narrative. All right? We're just having a conversation. There's nothing to get so mad about. Moving on. Uh, every week, like I said, I, I stumble uh, across some Super Bowl highlights from obviously the Super Bowl and every week I find something new or something that I forgot that I remember this week I was walking past the TV here at the studio and the game was on which is great always makes me stop and just turn to my left and say hey hey beautiful movie uh by the way the Super Bowl 52 like if anyone ever asks you like your favorite movie or favorite TV show uh Super Bowl 52 is the correct answer there's no other answer besides Super Bowl 52 but Moving on. Um, the highlight that I caught this week, or the moment that I caught this week, was was right before the Tom Brady Hail Mary to end the Super Bowl. And it was Howie Roseman. They kept showing him. Like, that dude was shitting himself. Howie Roseman was absolutely shitting himself. He, he, was, he was as white as his, as, his, as his shirt he was wearing. Howie Roseman was, was all of us. It was wild. I forgot... Just how scared Howie Roseman was. Howie Roseman was just like all of us. He's a football guy. He's an Eagles fan. He's an Eagles guy. Uh, just like I couldn't believe how just absolutely nervous he was. It made me respect Howie Roseman even more. Shout out, Howie. Thank you for being just like us. That's why you're the best. Keep doing what you're doing. Listen, this is Howie's week. This is when cocky Howie comes out of the woodwork. Uh, I, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. This is this is this is Cocky Howie's prime time. There's trades to be had. He announced this week that they're open to trading down. Like like he's like, hey man, we're on the table. He slapped it on the table and said, hey, we'll trade down. Whatever, it doesn't matter to us. Uh, this is this is peak Howie era. This is peak Howie time. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he pulls for the rest of the week. But moving on, let's get to the very important win-loss projections because everyone's doing it the Eagles draft com- the Eagles schedule comes out and it's like well let's start projecting the, <laughs> the wins and losses and I tell you what it does feel good it feels good looking at the schedule again uh preparing yourself for the season just thinking about Eagles football again it does make you happy it is also 
fucking absurd that we're talking about the the win loss prog- uh, uh, projections before the draft even starts. Like we don't know what these teams are going to look like. With that being said, let's get to the the definitive counterpoint win loss projections right now. So uh, the first game, Atlanta is coming into town on a, on a thir- on a Thursday night. The Eagles open the season. They open the entire 2018-2019 football season for the first time in franchise history as a Super Bowl champion, of course. And they're playing at home against the Falcons. So you know what that means. Matt Ryan, he's coming home. The homecoming for Matt Ryan. I don't know if you guys know this, but Matt Ryan is from here. He's from Exton, which isn't... I mean, Exton's like the next town over for me, so I'm not going to say that he's actually not from here because then then someone say well Westchester's not really from here either but you know what just you can you can go shove it uh Matt Ryan is from here let's look look forward to those stories again uh there's a little revenge there since the Eagles obviously ended their season last last year uh look I'm feeling a win <laughs> feeling a win want to know it's gonna be it's gonna be cakewalk come on they're getting their Super Bowl ring they're getting their Super Bowl ring that night of course they're gonna win uh, Nick Foles might be playing, although we've stated on this podcast that we are a pro Carson Wentz week one podcast. Um, but listen, the Falcons aren't coming in here and winning week one. It's just not happening. It's not happening at all. Matt Ryan's from here. He's a choker. Uh, Julio Jones, also a choker. They're all just chokers. They're a bad team. Bad team, those Falcons. Uh, then the Eagles go down to Tampa Bay. I think the last time the Eagles played in Tampa Bay was when that when Jason Avant had that random ass amazing catch that I was like Jason Avant can't jump that high but then I forgot that he has like the best hands in the entire league so uh and I'm pretty sure Nick Foles won that game I think that was Nick Foles' first start so I that might have been the last time they played there I'm not sure uh all I know is that BGN Radio I'm pretty sure is going to be in in Tampa for that one it's an easy win I mean they're going to roll that trash team I like the first four. I was nervous about the first four just because, uh, you know, you're coming off the Super Bowl. Uh, it's it, it's just natural. It's na- I'm not worried about a Super Bowl hangover carrying throughout the first the whole entire season. It's just the first four games I'm a little bit worried about because, you know, it, it's natural. When, it, when a team wins the Super Bowl, it's natural to have a letdown. It's hard to get back to where you were when you're clicking on all cylinders and messing around and winning the Super Bowl. Um, so na- I was naturally worried about... about them coming out a little bit slow whether it's Carson starting I mean he might look a little rusty I think people are overblowing the whole rust thing by the way like it's Carson it's the same thing with Embiid like everyone's like oh my god the wolves Embiid gonna be even in shape it's like yeah he's, he's fine he's Joel Embiid so uh, I kind of feel the same way with Carson we got to kind of change our our classic mentality when it comes to modern day athletes uh, especially a guy like Carson Wentz and Joel Embiid but uh, I was de- I was definitely a little bit worried. But their first four are, are pretty cake. I mean, Tampa Bay, they're always going to be trash. I don't care what happened, whatever, earlier in the 2000s. But I don't I don't trust that team ever. Uh, Colts against Frank Reich. The prodigal son returns home. The storylines that week are going to be ridiculous. Frank Reich, I mean, Frank Reich is the first member of the Doug Peterson coaching tree. That's pretty wild to think about. The Doug Peterson coaching tree is finally here. We're going to see how he does. It branched out. Uh, we'll see if Andrew Luck ever plays football again. That looks like that might happen. Uh, but, I mean, they're not, they're not going to lose to the Colts. The Colts are trash. That defense could never stop a Doug Peterson-led offense. So the, the birds are 3-0. Uh, 
Then they're, they're going to Tennessee to face off against the Titans. There's something weird about this game. There's something I don't trust. They, they're probably going to be looking ahead to the Minnesota Vikings game next week. I'm taking the L here. The first loss. The Eagles will not go 16-0 and next year. That's crazy. That's a hot take. It's a bit of a hot take. But I don't think the Eagles are going to go 16-0 and next year. Uh, so I had them losing to the Titans. Mike Vrabel. I think he's a good coach. I think the Titans are going to be pretty good this year. Um, but no. They're going to lose to the Titans. It's going to be fine. Because next week, they return home. And they lay the beat down on the Minnesota Vikings. For all four quarters. All four quarters. I want everyone at the stadium to just be doing the skull chant. Foles, skull, whatever. I want all four quarters of that. Non-stop skull chants all night long. The Eagles will not lose that game. It's going to be an emotional game. It's going to be awesome. I am already looking forward to it. Uh, then they ha- it's a short week, but they're only traveling up 95 to go play the Giants, who will pro- probably be trash. Uh, definitely not worried about the Giants. It's a Thursday night game coming off of a, a, an emotional game against the Vikings. Could be a slip-up, but I also don't think they're going to lose to the Giants. So uh, I have them at 5-1 and one at this point. Then they play at home against the Carolina Panthers. Listen, you're gonna. it's going to be hard-pressed for me to find a home loss in here. I don't think they're going to lose at home. So listen, this might be a bit biased. They're starting 6-1. and one, And then they're going across the pond to Wembley Stadium where hopefully a bunch of BGN radio listeners are going to be, for the Jaguars hosting the Eagles. And listen, the Eagles are not beating Blake Bortles in London. They're just not. Blake Bortles is an unbelievable quarterback across the sea. Look at the stats. So the Eagles lose to the Jaguars in London. Everyone freaks out. But I just say, hey, man, you got Bortled. You got Bortled in London. Happens every year. It's a timeless tradition. A tradition unlike any other, Jim Nance would say. Bortles in London. Death, taxes, Bortles in London. All the same. All guarantees in life. Then we got the first Cowboys game at home. Obvious blowout. Team's trash. At at that point, the Cowboys are wondering why they got rid of Dez. It was clearly a Dak problem. They should have moved on from Dak. Zeke is, is now playing left tackle for them. It's crazy. Because uh, Andre Andre Smith got hurt. Um, yeah, it's all falling apart in Dallas. You know, Jason Garrett is somehow still coaching the team, even though everyone hates him. Like the players hate him, the coaches hate him, uh, the fans they all they all want him dead. Um, Jason Garrett is somehow still coaching that team because because Jerry Jones just gets him to say yes to everything. Things aren't going well. Uh, it's an obvious blowout. The Eagles have two losses now. They are heading down to New Orleans. I think they lose in New Orleans. Uh, it's just, it's a tough place to play. It just it just like I can imagine myself right now sitting down on that Sunday and watching them lose a very frustrating game to the Saints. I don't know. I th- I see a very frustrating loss in my in my future. And please credit me when they lose in frustrating fashion in in New Orleans. Uh, and then they return home against the Giants. They're not losing at home this year. I already told you that. They may never lose at home again in my entire life. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, that makes them 7-3. and three. Then they return home, and they're facing trash-ass Alex Smith. Easy win. I mean, the, the, like the, the rest of the teams in the NFC East are such garbage. Like it's good. We're going on another early 2000s run here by the Eagles. It's going to be a cakewalk through the, through the division. They're not losing... They may lose one in the division, but come on. 
mean, let's get real here. I mean, what what are the Redskins going to put up? Jake Gruden has lost every single good offensive mind off of that staff. He's bringing in Alex Smith to replace Kirk Cousins. Like they're just they're just they're just a horribly run organization. I'm not worried about the Redskins. Let's let's move on. We're going down to Dallas. Like I said, another dumpster fire season for the Cowboys. Easy ass win. It's like. It's going to be tight for the first half. And then just like last year, it's like, oh, wait, hold on. We're, we won the Super Bowl, and these guys haven't won since 96, 95, whatever. It was like two then. Guess what? It's over. Jason Garrett somehow still coaching at that point. Unbelievable. Then we get a return trip to L.A. for Carson. Carson, Carson might throw four touchdowns in the first half, flip off the crowd, and then just walk away. He's going to absolutely roast that team. Everyone's talking about the Rams. Oh, my God. They're so good. They've got so much talent. Guess what? Look at the fucking Dream Team, okay? Dream Team Part 2 with DeMarco and Co. Listen, that's not going to work in L.A. It's L.A. It's not going to work. Marcus Peters and Damakong Sue, Akeve Tlaib in L.A.? Come on, man. Get real. Teams be garbage. We're going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Jared Goff's trash. Not worried about this at all. Carson is going to make a statement in his first game. He might run one in and then actually instead of sliding, listen, I would, I would gain major respect points if Carson doesn't slide in that game and just starts running over people with his new bionic knee. Trash-ass Los Angeles Rams. Get out of here. And then they, they, they return home. Actually, I can't wait for this game. For some reason, I love Deshaun Watson. Like, I love watching Deshaun Watson. I... My favorite thing about football is quarterback play. And watching good young quarterbacks is, like, awesome for me. So when he got hurt last year, I was, I was legitimately bummed. I don't really get hurt for injuries that not on my team. But I was legitimately bummed when I saw Deshaun Watson go down last year. So I'm excited for his revenge tour. Uh, unfortunately, like I said earlier, the Eagles are not losing at home. Uh, they're going to be, what, like 12-3 and three at this point? Um, yeah, so... So they're gonna play. They're gonna play the Texans at home. The Texans by this point in the season, they're probably gonna be in the playoff picture because they're always in the playoff picture, and they always get that that Bengals Texans first round game where it's T.J. Yates versus <laughs> versus Andy Dalton. I feel like that's always the, the matchup in the first round. Um, so like everyone's gonna be like, wow, the Texans suck, but somehow they're eight and eight and whatever. Well, one of their losses is gonna be in Philadelphia on that Sunday. That look, come on, they're not coming here and winning. They're not coming from Houston and coming into Philadelphia and winning. Here's another bold prediction. The Texans will never come into Philadelphia and win a football game ever. Just a fact. Just a fact of life. It's not happening. And then, then, the Eagles are going to lose in Washington because they're going to be so far ahead in the division that they don't even care anymore. Guess what? Super Bowl champion Nick Foles might even start that game. Super Bowl champion winning quarterback... Nate Sudfeld <laughs> might even start that game. They'll lose a game in the division, but guess what, baby? The only reason they're losing in the division is because they're up by so much. God, it felt good to go through that schedule. It feels good to finally just, we won the Super Bowl. Let's talk some shit. Because I tell you what, I've got a lot of pent-up shit talking for not winning a Super Bowl ever in my life. That's over now. It's completely over. God, we're going to be so good this year. 12 and 4. That's my projections. Listen, it can go even higher. That was being that was being modest. 12 and 4. So I decided I had to bring on an expert uh, to talk about hashtag the guy, 
Justin Reed. I'm bringing on Bleeding Green Nation's finest, Ben Solak. Ben, uh, you have a podcast on BGN Radio, right? Oh, yes, I do. The, the eponymous Kissed and Solak show. Michael Kiss and I hosted together. Uh, we have a really good time. That's a, We're very... Um, very film oriented. We're both big draft guys, so we're kind of in our heyday, or I guess in the uh, in the last week of our of our hot period here, and then the kind of the draft will wrap up, and uh, you know interest will fall off. But we like you know it's it's a very it's a very film oriented, very personnel oriented uh, podcast covering the Eagles. We have a good time. Well, it's good that you came on this podcast to promote that podcast. I hadn't heard of it before, so uh, definitely good to have some cross promotion here on uh, BGN Radio. Oh yeah, no. you should definitely listen to it, Jack. I think it'd be a great time. I think you'd learn a lot. You guys put out so many episodes; it's like ridiculous. It's like I wake up in the morning and there's three more Kiss and Solak shows. Oh, dude, we love Reventer, and like I said, like this is like our times. So we had to capitalize on it. Before this, we were doing it was a we were on a different podcast and a different network, and it was five episodes a week. It was a daily episode, and so we're like we feel like we're chilling. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a little easier. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that we have you at BGN Radio because I think it uh, it finally completes the the BGN Radio nest. You have Counterpoint, which is which is the dumbest podcast. We have you have you have the Kiss and Solak show, which is all the draft stuff and all the the smart podcast, and then you have bl- the, the the regular Bleeding Green Nation radio, and that's just everything else in between. Like it's it's the mix of of dumb stuff, like the Carson Wentz is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, or awesome. and, and real stuff, which of course he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, correct? Yeah, I've I've been in I like. I've been so far in the camp that he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback that when it when it first came up, I was like, oh, like you know, John and, and BLG are doing like like a spoof topic for like one episode. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even think it was going to be a thing. It, it the the phrase is Super Bowl winning quarterback used to win a Super Bowl to to be called the phrase. It's really not a complex situation like, whatsoever. And they get so offended by it. And now people are starting to get offended by it as well. So I don't want to talk too much about that because like we get so much hate mail of, oh my gosh, move on. I want to move on to the draft and I want to talk about Justin Reed. I don't know if you heard this, but last week on the podcast, I announced that Justin Reed is hashtag the guy. He is, he is my guy. Uh, and I think I think Justin Reed he accepted it. I heard uh, through my sources that Justin Reed did accept that he was the guy from the Counterpoint podcast. So uh, why was that the correct choice to make Justin Reed the guy? Yeah, I will say uh, you know I'm a big fan of that. Uh, congratulations. However, thank you. Uh, if you were to uh, hit up the old Twitter machine and go add Benjamin Solak and search Justin Reed, you would find a uh, tweet from October 17th. Wow. Uh, Justin Reed, safety out of Stanford, is quite the player. You would find a tweet, uh, 30th of November, quote this with the NFL draft prospect who isn't getting enough attention. Ben Solak says Justin Reed. Uh, no, he's been, so I, a lot of my general draft stuff outside of the Eagles is at NDT scouting. And, you know, so we're constantly, the, you know, in the, in the forum, whatever, in the, in the private messages. And I was just banging the table with you guys got to watch Justin Reed. Somebody's got to watch this kid and tell me that like what I'm seeing is right. Because when you see a guy who's as good as Justin Reed, and I was covering a Stanford game for whatever reason, he kind of popped off the film, you say, okay, like either I just caught this kid's best game ever, and he's really bad, or nobody has seen him yet, and maybe I'm crazy, and you need like other people to confirm and check in with that. And then all of a sudden, kind of like uh, at the turn, of the year, really, when Stanford was in the Pac-12 championship and, and they were playing USC again, is when people started to say, "Like, oh snap, the safety can play." Uh, and the really exciting thing about Justin Reed 
is that, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, a Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama or whatever, uh, Derwin James out of Florida State. These are, like, the top safeties in the class. And people talk about them as being super multiple. They can just play a ton of different positions. Justin Reed is not, uh, I, I would say, as heavy of a player, as intelligent of a player as like a Minka Fitzpatrick, so he's very smart in his own right. And he's probably not as ridiculous an in-space athlete as Derwin is, but he's quite explosive in his own right. But he does bring you that versatility. And we have to be careful when we say versatility because being lined up in a bunch of different spots and being bad isn't versatility. That's just being bad. Uh, being lined up in a bunch of different spots for a team and being good uh, is versatility. And Justin Reed is a guy who you're up against Washington State and they have four receivers on every snap. And Justin Reed's playing cornerback and he's in the slot and he's covering guys and he's switching off routes. And then all of a sudden you're playing, uh, like, you know, Colorado or Arizona and they're running just a ton of like, you know, zone read and power options, a bunch of like in, in the box stuff. And Justin Reed's playing linebacker and he's hitting people. You know, he just does so many different things to you. So he's really exciting for Philly because Philly's linebacking core and safety core is going to look pretty different, you know, two or three years down the road, but we don't know how it's going to look yet, right? Like, they can move on from Rodney McLeod starting in 2019 pretty easily. Malcolm Jenkins is over 30. Uh, he's probably not going to get an extension. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? We don't know. You know, and then you got Michael Kendricks. How long is he staying around? You know, is Jordan Hicks going to remain? It's not about him going to stay the same, or is he going to become the Mike if Jordan Hicks leaves? There's a lot of moving parts. And so Reed, because he can do so much for you, he's inevitably going to fit somewhere. So he makes a ton of sense, and that's why he's a very exciting prospect. Yeah, to me, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like Malcolm Jenkins right now. Like the way he plays, he's playing down the slot, like you mentioned, linebacker. And I think if he brought in Justin Reed, it would let Malcolm kind of stay back at safety and hopefully prolong his career even further. Justin Reed seems like the the perfect hybrid from Malcolm and also playing linebacker in in those sets. I don't know. He just looks like the perfect kind of guy for this defense at this exact moment and a guy that can help transition into the later Malcolm years if they have to move on from Malcolm uh, and and they have a competent replacement behind him in in a guy like Justin Reed. It seems like he is... He is perfect for what this Eagles team runs. And it wasn't even it wasn't even just the on tape stuff. I'm more intrigued by and what I like about him the most is that he seems like he's a, a football rat, a gym rat, a, oh, yeah, a, a tape rat. And he's and he's a smart guy, apparently. Like that's what I think separates him from a lot of the other prospects. Yeah, so talking with people in the Stanford program, uh one of the things you you hear almost immediately is that they had two corners, Quinn Meeks, who's in this year's draft, and then Elijah Holder who could have been in this year's draft, a decent player in his own right, but he got injured halfway through the season, so he went back to school. And then Justin Reed had safety. And you hear immediately that these three guys would, like, compete as to who would be able to watch more film in a week. Right? Like, they would be, like, trying to beat each other into the film room. You know, and they're, like, very, uh, very friendly guys, like, uh, you know, a good unit who love to work together and communicated very well. And so, yeah, you can see, you know, I'll never forget it was against Oregon State, I believe it was. Yeah. Justin Reed got called for defensive pass interference that he didn't commit, and the reason he got called for it was because he clearly from the snap knew the pass concept, and he jumped the play so quickly that he cut in front of the, the route, and he almost had a pick, but he arrived like on time with the receiver, so he was physical with the receiver. Like, they collided in the air, but Reed was playing the ball and the quarterback the entire way, and the ref just called DPI because it just looked like Reed literally took the wide receiver out because Reed just beat him to the spot. And it was purely recognition. And it just wasn't a good call because Reed was clearly playing the ball. This is the sort of player we're talking about. And what he does in talking about that, that intelligence, he, um, he, you know, talking about Malcolm Jenkins sort of a replacement, 
Reed, I think, brings to you immediately uh, man coverage ability, specifically over slot receivers and guys who are quick, better than we ever saw from Malcolm Jenkins. Because Malcolm, even though he's a converted corner, when he goes into coverage, he's much better on physical tight ends, and he's not afraid to mess it up in space, and slot guys can separate from him. Reed can handle slot guys, I think, better than Malcolm can, like, day one. And we know that Philly's been looking at nickel corners. And so Reed makes sense in that regard, too, because he definitely would be able to play in the slot. Throw in the fact, talking about off-field stuff that makes him even more attractive, this is Eric Reed's brother. Eric Reed being the, yep. the San Francisco safety linebacker hybrid, who currently is not on a team, you know, and, and allegedly it's in part due to his participation in the NFL protests, so the anthem protests, and his relationship with Colin Kaepernick. Reed's been asked multiple times uh, about, you know, the state of ra- uh, racial relationships and, and racial inequality and in, in, you know, the NFL and in police brutality and current society. And he's a very intelligent young man, given very level-headed answers, and he's clearly active as far as his brother's causes and, and this, you know, very contentious topic that's been addressed in the NFL. It's been a prevalent part of NFL life. Eagles have a locker room that's very fit for that style of that perspective, that style of life. So, you know, Reed makes sense in that regard simply because, you know, the Eagles have not been afraid of bringing in people who are outspoken politically and outspoken publicly and socially. And and from what we understand, you know, obviously you're a little bit more muted when you're a college student. Justin Reed very likely is in that sort of a mold just as a person. Yeah, I mean, he it's off the field, on the field, locker room. He seems like the perfect take. Now, is he even going to be available? So here's the thing. Because I look at the top end of the first round, and I, I can definitely name for you right now 20 players who are better than Justin Reed. He's a good player. He's got an early second-round grade on my board. He's a little bit higher on other boards that I definitely trust. But I can comfortably, comfortably name for you 20, 25 players who are, who are better than him. As a result, assuming that there are like you know five or six, as there inevitably are, players in the first round who are not better than him and have no business going before him, but they do because they're quarterbacks or they're edge rushers and teams are stupid. I'm looking at Colin Miller. I'm looking at Marcus Davenport. I'm looking at Josh Allen. Uh, Reed's going to be around in the mid to late 20s. I really believe that firmly. If he clears Carolina at 24, which I think he will, because Carolina desperately needs a wide receiver, and one of DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, and Calvin Ridley will likely all be available there, at least one if not two. And if he clears 24, the only other spot that's a hang-up, in my opinion, is 28 to Pittsburgh. And, if, and, and, and Pittsburgh needs a linebacker. Pittsburgh needs a safety. Pittsburgh also needs a free safety badly. And Reed can play some single high for you, but that's not his best spot. Yeah, and I, the Pittsburgh thing I've seen a lot, so I, I'm definitely yeah, yeah. worried. About it. it's, it's starting to get to the point where, <laughs> like, is anyone going to be available for the Eagles to pick? I mean, everyone that seems to come up, it's like, well, Jerry Alexander, he's interesting for a day, and then it's like, well, he might go top 15. And then there's Darius Geis, who, I don't know, he's, he might go in the, in the early 20s as well. Justin Reed seems like he's going to go earlier. Like, is anyone actually going to be, be there for the Eagles to pick at 32? Right, right, exactly. So uh, what I'm saying is I think if Reed can clear the Steelers at 28, then he'll be there at 32. And what it comes down to when you're looking at these potentialities, when you're looking at these outcomes, you do have to circle those places. If this player can clear here and clear there, well, it's likely they'll make it near Philadelphia. When it comes to a Darius Geis out of LSU, really I'm worried about two main teams. Uh, you know, I'm assuming Tampa doesn't go for him at seven. Tampa needs a running back badly, but there's going to be elite enough players there on the defense that they should be fine. Washington at 13 worries me. 
and then Detroit at 20 worries me. And if Geis clears 13 and 20, between 20 and 32, there really are no teams that have a big enough running back need compared to their other needs to justify going running back that early. You know what I mean? Like, a team yeah. could do it. Like, let's say they have a top 10 grade on Geis, and they really just want to grab him, despite the fact that, you know, they have other needs elsewhere, and running back is a position you can go on the cheap for. Maybe they do it, but those are the big ones that I circle. You know, we talk about... Jerry Alexander, on the other hand, talking about a cornerback now, there's a ton of different teams that could go corner because that's such a premier position. So that one's a lot harder to protect. Then you talk about Connor Williams, offensive tackle out of Texas, Isaiah Wynn, offensive tackle slash guard out of Georgia. And now you're looking at, all right, these players could potentially be around by 2025, but then you hit Minnesota at 30, and you hit New England at 31, both of those teams could go for a tackle. And so you don't think that it would be as easy for those players to get to Philadelphia because there are teams immediately in front of them that could go for that pick. So if I had to put my money on it, I think Justin Reed, there's a good chance he's available around 32. If he's not, it's very likely he went to Pittsburgh at 28. I will tell you that from Pittsburgh, we know that Jesse Bates, who, like I said, is more of a rangy free, uh, free safety that the Pittsburgh Steelers need, they're high on him in the building at a Wake Forest, Jesse Bates. And so they may go Bates before Reed. And that'll leave Reed for Philadelphia, no question. I think Reed will be there. I think Darius Geis will be there. Or if you're lucky, I think Connor Williams, Jairi Alexander, these guys could be close. That'll be a little bit trickier. And then I think you'll have your pick of the litter as far as tight ends go as well. If that's the direction you want to head in the first round. That's the current feeling that I have. Things are going to shift. Obviously, they're going to be closer. But I think there's a good chance that Reed's there, certainly. Do you think I should plan a gas mask on him? Do you think that would get him there? Oh, no, but we absolutely would. I think teams are going to – I think if you put the gas mask, yeah. I think teams would recognize it. And uh, and he would, they'd be like, this is definitely a ploy because we've yeah. seen this done before. You've got to come up with like a new strategy. Okay. I don't know, maybe like leak that he – I don't know, like uh, he thinks a hot dog is a sandwich. I don't know. He puts like mayonnaise on peanut butter and jelly, something like absurd. Can't trust that teams guy. won't as easily recognize it as, uh, as the Laramie Tunsil character flaw. But certainly, man, if you could plant something, that would help out a ton. All right, sounds good. Uh, talk to me about Darius Geis. Like, everyone seems to come to consensus that they like him. When I watch him, I mean, like, I think he's good. I think he's going to be a solid running back. It's just that when I hear people talk about him, they gush about this guy. Like, he could be on the same level as, as Saquon Barkley. And I think that is absolutely absurd. Am I crazy? No. Uh, and obviously, my uh, my co-host is one of the leaders of that train. He's a guy above Barkley, sort of a guy. Oh, and of Geis course. is, you know, is that's a good so- athlete, but he's not the athlete that Barkley is, and he's not going to affect the game at all three levels that Barkley is. Even if Geis becomes a fine NFL receiving running back, Barkley's going to enter the league and be a top three receiving running back from the moment he, he puts on cleats and pads. You know, And that's a really interests me as far as first-round running backs go, guys who aren't just committee backs like we've seen Philadelphia use. Here's the thing with Darius Geis. He represents a style of play that's very attractive, but not, not only is it very attractive, it's very familiar to current NFL decision-makers and, and, and current you know, NFL GMs who, who grew up under that more physical brand of football. That He harkens back to the way that he plays, not unlike a Marshawn Lynch, to a time where that's what football looked like. It was so much more collision-oriented. It was so much more grind things out between the guards, between the tackles-oriented. That's how we characterize football. Most of those style of players have fallen away because they don't have the athleticism that Marshawn Lynch and Darius Geis bring to the table because they're such great athletes who are still very tightly wound, very powerful, very explosive, and love contact. 
they're able to bring that in like you know 80s 90s style of football into the 21st century and into 2018 by that same token though shoulder pads have gotten smaller helmets have gotten lighter obviously concussions is a, is a bigger conversation running backs get injured a lot and seeking out contact is not a good recipe for being a long-term productive NFL player. Darius Geis was beat up for almost 2017. And there are other players in the, in the league, in college, who were beat up for 2017. But for a guy who actively seeks out contact, like would rather hit somebody than make somebody miss, to be beat up is not great. Because it makes me worry about your long-term longevity. Are you going to do what it takes to protect your body? Uh, at the, and, and be a consistent producer for me 16 games a season for four or five seasons of your rookie contract. That's my biggest pause with guys. When he's healthy on field, certainly he is a top-tier running back talent who, yeah, between him and Barkley, they could poison. But I trust Barkley's frame, style of running, and health far more than I do guys's when I'm looking you know, at my team in 2020 and 2021. That's what cuts the mustard for me. So if you've got guys as a main guy in a committee, which would likely be how he is in Philadelphia, yeah. maybe you feel a little bit better about it. But I think if a team brings in guys as a workhorse, they might find themselves disappointed by a career that's marred by injuries. You hate to say it, but that's what could possibly happen. Yeah, him and Ajayi and, and Clement would be a, would be a lot of fun, especially if they they bring back Darren Sproles and a little cheap deal. I don't know. That'd be that'd be a, a super intriguing, almost un, unstoppable offensive offensive force. Oh, it'd be, uh, I uh, I keep saying to be giving the machine gun to a T Rex. Like <laughs> this offense was already pretty unstoppable, and now you're just going to give them like something else to use. That's just like NFL teams are going to hate having to deal with Darius guys on RPOs because RPOs necessitate that you have second- and third-level defenders from corners and safeties filling against the run. And no corner in the league, I do not care how Marcus Peters, Richard Sherman competitive they are, literally no corner in the league wants to have to deal with a guy like Darius Geis in a hole because you're going to lose 95 times out of 100. It's going to be awful. And then you roll in Jay Ajayi. And <laughs> and yeah, he, he, he ain't no small, you know, he ain't no spring chicken either. That's right. And then once they're already beaten up, you're throwing a little Darren Sproles, and he's he's shaking their, their ankles off back there as he's going for another touchdown. It's, it, it, would be, it would be super intriguing. Uh, it, it, that was they, an interesting way of pronouncing Danelle Pumphrey's name. I've never heard that before. Uh, stop. Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be more out on a player than I am out on Danelle Pumphrey. Uh, we'll fight about that. We should certainly fight about that. Well, maybe closer to the season. i got to see him. I, hopefully, I, I've read something that he's been weightlifting all, all offseason or all, you know, when he had a fake torn hamstring, he's been Wasn't lifting. Wasn't fake. It was, come on, man. He was walking. Oh, you watched him during the preseason. He couldn't explode. His hamstring was clearly messed up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I hope. I hope he's good. I just what I saw last year in the preseason and whatever was just super yeah. not encouraging. Uh, so let's say uh, a pick thirty-two comes up and Roger Goodell is going to the podium and getting booed, of course, and yeah. and he announces that the Eagles take Colton Miller. Uh, do you ever do another podcast again, or do you just quit? Yeah, I do another podcast again. Here's the thing about selecting Colton Miller. One, not going to be available. Thank How? Goodness. He stinks. I don't get no. it. Because, I'll tell you why. Because people assume correlation and causation are the same thing, and they aren't. And as a result, an NFL team watched, you know, Jake Fisher, uh, or excuse me, Jake Matthews, Eric Fisher, and Lane Johnson all get drafted in the first half of the first five picks 
of a round. And then all of a sudden, Lane Johnson is by far the best tackle of the three. You say, okay, why? And the answer is because he's such an incredible athlete. And so, oh, he's such an incredible athlete, so it's Colin Miller. Colin Miller is going to be good eventually. Which, no, you know, athleticism helps, but it is not the cause. It is not the agent. You know, you still have to play with good technique. Now, that being said, Philadelphia's got a really, really, really nice situation to build up an offensive tackle. And there's no further proof of that needed than Halibaldi about Divide because Big V's tape out of TCU had no business ever being even like a, a decent spot starter ever. Right? Like what we see from him now, which is not, in my opinion, you know, game in, game out starter level. It is not Jason Peters replacement level by any stretch of the imagination. Even that product is better than I would have ever anticipated seeing from Big V when you watch his TCU tape. And that comes down to working behind Jason Peters, working behind Lane Johnson, and then working as well uh, with the offensive line situation with Stoutland there in Philadelphia because that's such a good coaching staff. Uh, obviously, this offensive line is the best in the league, and so much of that credit goes to Kelsey, Peters, Johnson, and then Stoutland. So, if you're looking for a situation in which Colton Miller could become successful, Philadelphia is the number one situation in the league, period. Because with his athletic profile, he's a guy who can be a very successful NFL tackle, who can get away with more stuff because he has the athleticism to recover. With the guys who could teach him in Philadelphia, is his most likely path to success, his widest path to success. Certainly, he has a very high bust potential regardless of where he goes. But were he to go to Philadelphia, that's his best chance of being successful. That being said, he will very likely be off the board. There are much safer picks of guys who still have good developmental upside but who don't represent nearly as low of a floor as Colton Miller. Will Richardson out of NC State, Jamarco Jones out of Ohio State, Alex Kapp out of Humboldt State. Those are three names I'm super interested in on round, on day two, round two, round three of Philadelphia moves there. Those are guys that you should be looking at, target them heavily. They can be future starters in this league. But when it comes to Miller, you know, I, I, I won't disbelieve in any offensive lineman in the Eagles draft because they've been very, very good with developing an offensive line and, and working their offensive linemen, working in six guys, rotating. You know, they rotated a left guard for a while, making sure that they had multiple people who could play different positions and ask them to do different things. They run so many different things on the offensive line. They always play to their strengths. It's a great situation. It's a top-tier unit in the NFL. So I'll always believe in who they bring in. But, yeah, Cole Miller's pretty bad. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It's just when I watched, like, two minutes of his tape, he got pushed back by a way smaller guy way too easily for a guy that's 6'9", 300-some pounds, which didn't make, yep. me, didn't make me feel great. Uh, but I agree with you. If they, if they bring him in, he's coming into a really good situation where he doesn't have to start from day one. And learning from Jason Peters, obviously, is, is like a, he's basically a player coach on the, on the Eagles now. Um, so, so, gun to your head, what happens at 32? Do, you, do they trade back? Uh, is Justin Reed there? Do you have a sense of uh, what do you think they're going to do at 32? Trey Beck it would be my gut call. And what it simply comes down to is it, Philadelphia doesn't desperately need those day two picks. Obviously, you want them. But if you look at Philadelphia's current roster, they're a team with a ton of great talent, not a lot of huge depth concerns. So you don't really need to get two or three like you know solid depth pieces who can – fill in different spots, everything. No, what this roster really can do, and uh, looking at it, even after the Super Bowl, where, where you, know, you lose some talent, you need a, a, a premier offensive tackle. You're going to need one by probably next year, 2019. You're assuming Jason Peters coming back from the Achilles isn't going to be where he was, likely going to retire very soon. So you need that. You likely need a strong 
linebacker guy, a strong linebacker, whether it's a, a Mike or a Will. Michael Kendricks is likely going to be gone within the next couple of years, and Jordan Hicks is out of contract year. And if he can't stay healthy, then you're not going to bring him back and expect him to start as much as I hate to say it. Cause I love Jordan Hicks when he's on the field. Those are your only two really big starter needs that you can really say within the next two years will really need that. You can make a case for safety, you know, depending on what your long-term plans are with McLeod and Jenkins. You can make a case for defensive end. Uh, you know, Chris Long is eventually Michael Bennett. After this year, you know, you can move off from him if he's not productive. And Brandon Graham, of course, is in a contract year, and you don't know if you have the money to pay him or not. And so you can make a case there. And those are places to circle. But when you look at big, uh, big situations where a long-term starter is needed, those are the only two. And so you really don't, you know, you don't need to go back and accumulate round two, round three. You can stay at 32 and make a good pick, or you can trade back, go to 40, bring in Tyrell Crosby out of Oregon as an offensive tackle, bring in Fred Warren out of BYU as linebacker. There is a long-term starter, and then what, you've got another round three pick from your trade back, go bring in a developmental guy, and you can call that draft a win. Day three, bring in some you know running backs, bring in some wide receiver skill position, get a tight end, try to build some guys up. If not, the free agent market is always rich at skill positions. And for an offensive mind like Doug Peterson, we know that he can take on drafts of free agents and make the producer. Him. We saw him do it last year. He'll do it again if he has to, right? And so to me, trade back is a likely move, but it doesn't have to be a huge one, number one. If there's a guy that they like at 32, they can certainly stay there. And I think Connor Williams out of Texas would make them do that. I think Darius Geis out of LSU would make them do that. And I certainly think Justin Reed out of Stanford would give them a lot of consideration as far as guys to stay at 32 and pick. But if I had a you know, gun to my head, like you said, I'd have to say they'd probably trade back. I love that you uh, you are so deep in a draft season that you're saying Darius Geis out of LSU, Justin Reed out of Stanford, which we've talked about the entire podcast. Like it's very... it's, it's it's an instinct at this point. Like you, every time you talk about a prospect, you stay position and you stay school. Like it's just like it, it's it's classical conditioning, man. That's that's so draft season. Uh, so uh, we're actually going to go into the counterpoint mailbag. Uh, you guys don't have a mailbag on the Kiss and Select show, right? We pull it out occasionally, especially when we want to make fun of the Counterpoint podcast. Yeah. Besides that, no. Super. So, uh, so from Brian Seville, looking at the RB class, who do you think would be the perfect running back one uh, as a compliment to Corey Clement for next year, assuming the Eagles let Jay Ajayi walk? So, Jay Ajayi is Philadelphia's primary zone runner. And he runs a lot of outside zone, which sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking smaller guys run outside zone, bigger guys run power. And that tends to be the case. But Ajayi, with his explosiveness, with his decision-making and his vision, is a really nice outside zone runner. Uh, him moving on means that Philadelphia does have to try to find a guy who, who can give them really good zone production. Guys can be that guy, but really his running style, his ability, you prefer to be more of a power style back. So as a result, I'll circle Ronald Jones at a USC. You know, Ronald Jones played for the Trojans probably around 195, bulked up to about 205 uh, for the, the pre-draft process. Unfortunately, tweaked his hamstring uh, during the combine, and then during his pro day, put up pretty poor numbers, which we can attribute to the fact that he had a bad hamstring. People kind of freaked out about that. I he tested like two weeks later, and after you run a 40-yard dash and hurt your hamstring, the next time you try to run a 40-yard dash, you know what you're going to be really worried about? hurting your hamstring. So I don't really care too much about his numbers. You go to his USC tape, they use him as an inside zone back. They use him as a goal line back, a short yardage back. They have this freshman they really like, 
but that was bullocks. That was nonsense. When he had the opportunity to run outside of the tackles, he's got a really, really nice blend of, of vision and anticipation where he sets up linebackers and he sets up safeties before he's even made it through the offensive line. It's a really nice feel, right? Just, just a good understanding, instinctual runner. And then you throw on top an amazing change of direction ability. It's a super flexible frame. He's a guy who's able to just stop, you know, turn on a dime, move up field. He breaks a lot of tackles because he's so flexible. He really just like makes it very difficult to get an angle on him. As a result, it's Jamal Charles esque tape. This is the sort of game breaking burner we're talking about. You know, first and ten, ball on the twenty, run outside zone, eighty yard touchdown. It happened multiple times for the Trojans. It could happen for Philadelphia. Ronald Jones, USC makes a ton of sense. Do you think you performed better on this podcast than Michael Kiss did? Inevitably. I think that there's there are very few areas in life in which Michael Kiss holds a candle to me. I think number one would be hair loss. I think that that's something that I can yet match him at. Uh, he's probably, I will say, he has a better like intro voice than I am. He's got a great radio voice, and so he does our intros, he does our little promos and everything. I think he beats me there. Uh, and he's, he's a much, much, much more fluent cursor than I am. He's a very colorful, verbose, uh, you know, vernacular. He can really sling it. I don't have that ability, I'm afraid. But those are the only areas where I really feel like he, he even uh, he even tests me. Besides that, it's kind of just Solak across the board. Can I make a request to you, Ben? Hit me. Stop saying Philadelphia. It's the Eagles. Come on, man. You're a Birds fan. No more, no more saying Philadelphia. It's so... I... I... Never did I have any conception of this. And then all of a sudden people told me about it, and now it's constantly in my head. And I think I'm better in writing than I was, but certainly out loud, it's still constantly Philadelphia, Philadelphia. And it's funny because I'm one of these guys who, you know, I'll be chatting with a buddy. You know, I live in Chicago. And I'll be like, all right, well, I'll see you next week. Like, all right, see you. And I'll be like, go birds. Like, I just, I greet, like, I greet and say goodbye to people with go birds. So I say birds all the time. And I say Philadelphia all the time, and I realize I just very rarely say the Eagles. And I, I, I have no explanation for it. People ask me why, and I can't. I, I have no idea. But now it's in my head, and I, I think of it constantly. It haunts my nightmares. It's the weirdest thing because uh, it, it's for for people that are from around here. When when they hear someone say Philadelphia or Philly or anything like that. It's like, oh, that guy's a national media guy doesn't get us. Like whenever, whenever Bill Simmons says Philly in relation to the Sixers, it just like it makes me so mad. So, uh, but no, well, you're getting better. You only said Philadelphia twice, I think, on this entire podcast. So that that's that's very much improved. I appreciate it. I love how you were tracking it the whole time. I saw it. I didn't notice it until late, and I was like, oh, that was the first time you did it on this podcast. That's great. Uh, but Ben Solak, thanks very much for uh, coming on. Uh, follow him on Twitter, of course. Listen to the Kiss and Solak show. I mean, you guys are just pumping out content, insane amounts of content. And uh, finally, you know, once after the draft's over, maybe just relax for a little bit. Take a couple podcasts off. Let us have some podcasts, okay? I certainly will, man. Give you your day in the sun, no doubt. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Hopefully, hopefully, Justin Reed is a is a bird uh, on Thursday night. An eagle, some would say. Yes, some some would say that. Some <laughs> some would say some would say. I hope he's a Philadelphia on <laughs> on Thursday night. Uh, thanks for having me, Jack. I appreciate it, Chief. Shout out to Ben Solak for joining me. Of course, listen to his podcast with with the famous, infamous, not infamous. He's not infamous, but Michael Kist. Um, like I said, I'm doing another counterpoint this week. I got a lot of shit in the reviews for for my 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 work ethic around the BGN radio parts. I got a lot of, oh, if I could uh, put, out a, uh, put out a podcast once a week. Oh, guess what, baby? 
It's draft season. I'm putting out two podcasts this week. So, I mean, watch out. A two podcast counterpoint week is a is a is a hell of a week. I'm going to need to take off at least two weeks after that. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks as always for listening and I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Your second record, and it's the song you wrote.